All right, hello City First Church family, how we doing? Doing good? All right, let's do this. Let's put our hands together for everyone joining us at City First anywhere, from Cape Coral, from God Behind Bars, Dixon and Hardy, everyone online. We say hello from the Spring Creek location. We love you, and we are so grateful that you are a part of City First. Now, I know you just saw that video, and I just want to put an exclamation point on one part of it. Uh, this Wednesday is First Wednesday. It's our very first first Wednesday after our summer break, and I want to invite all of you to come because we have an amazing speaker. Paul Dortry is just a, a great guy, and I know many of you may not even know who he is, but he is a great pastor down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We met a few years ago at a pastor's roundtable. Phenomenal communicator, runs a dynamic church, and I promise you this, you are going to be uh, blessed and you are going to be glad that you came. But even on top of that, you might say, why First Wednesday? First Wednesday is another time that we can come together with faith and expectation and believe for God to do amazing things. In fact, I, I say this a lot, but when you come into an environment with kind of a raised or an elevated level of faith and expectancy for God, God moves, and he does. And we saw it on Friday night. Friday night we had uh, the recording of the EP, and we had a worship night. And during uh, part of the worship night, I came up, and uh, we, we were praying for people. And we just said, hey, listen, if you have a need, um, maybe some of you might need a healing. Well, we did that and continued the worship night. Well, the next day, we got a text message, and an individual said this. They said that in 2006, they were in a very, very serious car accident. In fact, it was almost life-threatening. And uh, since then, he has been living with chronic pain almost every day of his entire life, and his back hasn't been the same. And when we had given that opportunity for healing, and I prayed, he raised his hand, and he woke up on Saturday morning completely pain-free. And he's like, I can't believe it. I mean, first time in 15 years, you know what I'm saying? So, so here's the thing. This is what I know, that it isn't a person, and it's not the church, like the building, but rather it's when God's people, who are the church, come into an environment and they raise their expectation. They come in hungry for God to move. They come in expectant. God will move. And that's what we do on First Wednesdays. We do it on weekends too, but First Wednesdays, we have a little bit more time to do it. We also will uh, receive communion, and I know that that's a very important part of our, our spiritual walk. So again, we're going to do that this Wednesday. Please be there. Uh, check the times and locations um, on our website, and, uh, and you know what? It's just going to be a great time with Pastor Paul. Um, we're in a mini-series called The Life with an Empty Chair. And last week, just as a recap, if you weren't here, I spoke about the fact that our life is like a table, and it's a metaphorical table, in other words, and we have different people seated around it. We have maybe family members and best friends and coworkers and things like that, and that we should live life always aware that we should put out an empty chair for someone new, someone that maybe isn't a part of our life, but could be a part of our life. And here's the reason why. When we make an empty seat available and we set a place setting for someone at the table of our life, then they sit down and they get to meet our best friend who is Jesus Christ. And, and you know, uh, the best way I could say it, I've been saying this for years, is that we build a bridge of relationship with other people and eventually Jesus will walk across. And here's why. 
It's because Jesus is the hope bringer. He's the one that forgives us. He's the one that gives us purpose. He's the one that helps us when life doesn't make sense and it doesn't make sense often. He's the one that helps us with fear. He's the one that helps us process anger. I'm just saying, the God that created us, he said, quote, I've come to give life and life to the fullest. It doesn't mean a perfect life. It doesn't mean that your life is perfect once you're in relationship with him because we still live in a hopelessly broken world. But he gives us a full life and an abundant life. But people will not be able to have that unless they're invited to a place where they can meet him. Does that make sense? So that's why we talked about it. And the message had so much traction that uh, we were receiving all kinds of like, you know, chatter and DMs and emails and things like that. And here's one DM that um, I received and it said this. It said, hey, pastor, I so want uh, to share how much your message resonated with me. I've had this idea in my heart to open up our backyard and invite neighbors who need a place to go and feel welcome. Maybe they're newly empty nesters, widowers, or just lonely and in need of a meal. I envision this long table that we would have dinner, conversation, and hopefully continue, continue adding chairs. It is his confirmation, again, not, listen to how she put this, his confirmation, meaning God's, through you that spoke straight to me. So I'm taking a leap, and we, meaning her and her husband, are working on making it happen. Isn't that amazing? Come on, put your hands together for that. And I read that as an encouragement. The reason why I want that to be an encouragement is because don't wait for the church, the formal church, the building city first to organize something like that. Rather, God has strategically placed you in a workplace, in a school, in a neighborhood, in a community, and he wants you to set a table. Do you hear that? He wants you to set a table. Now, now they're actually going to set a physical table, and you may want to do that too. But my point is, is that you just be aware that God has placed you at, at a location on purpose and for a purpose. And the more we do this, I believe the more that God's church will grow. And I just say this all the time to people, and I said last week, that if you want the best life, Make sure your life is making room for other people in the same way that Jesus always made room for other people with his life. Uh, last weekend was kind of a bittersweet weekend for Jen and I because um, we dropped off our middle child, Connor, to a college, his college in Florida. He went back for his sophomore year. And, um, and, you know, that's always hard. For those of you that are, you know, a little older, have older kids, um, you know, dropping your kids off at of college, that's a big deal. You're, like, dropping off, and you're, like, going, I hope I did everything right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're just hoping that they make it and everything's good, you know? And so I flew back on Saturday night so that I could preach here on Sunday morning, and Jen stayed for a couple more days. So after uh, last weekend's message on, uh, you know, the life with an empty chair, I went home, and I called Jen. I go, hey, what are you doing? And she goes, well, Connor and I are about ready to go with a bunch of students and play pickleball. And I'm like, pickleball? Now, pickleball in Florida, and for those of you that are out of Florida location, you know this, it's a big deal in Florida. Not so big of a deal up here. It's kind of catching on, though, okay? And, and I said, pickleball, what are you doing playing pickleball? And, and she said, well, Justin had invited Connor and I and a bunch of students and some other parents and stuff like that to go play pickleball. And the minute she said that, I went, oh, yeah, okay, Justin did it, obviously. Now, you don't know Justin. 
Justin is a good friend of ours. I've known him for about 20 years, and he is hands down the best networker I have ever met in my entire life. He's in charge of strategic relations for the university, and he's an incredible guy, fun to be around, but I'm telling you, he knows everybody. Like, if I were to be like, hey, uh, Justin, I got to hit up Bieber. Can you uh, give me his number? He'd probably have it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, he just knows everyone, all right? And, uh, and so, anyway, um, I kid him all the time. I'm like, you just, you just know everybody. And so, obviously, obviously on a weekend, where parents full of trepidation are dropping off their students who are probably full of anxiety and excitement at the same time. Like, who am I going to be friends with? Who am I dorming with? All these kind of things. All this crazy is going on. And so what does Justin do? He's aware, he sees a need, and he uses his influence to organize something that makes everybody's life better. Because I tell you what, you play pickleball for a couple of hours, you get to meet people, kind of a lot of the anxiety begins to drain away, right? And that's what Justin was doing. And I will tell you, because of the Justins in our world, um, our life is better. My life is better. And he thrives on the opportunity of connecting people, you could say. And so I want to just tell you to launch into today's message, this truism that is true for everybody, and that is this, an act of an introduction can change a life. An act of an introduction, a simple introduction can change a life. I can't tell you how many people that Justin said, hey, you need to meet this person. Let me text you their number. And these people are now friends of mine because of an introduction. It reminds me of a story that's found in the New Testament. Jesus is just beginning his ministry, all right? He's at the beginning of his ministry. He hadn't even picked his disciples yet. There's a guy by the name of John the Baptist, and John came before Jesus, and John said of himself, he said, my mission is to create a path, in other words, to make a way for the Messiah. And he didn't even know who the Messiah was at the time. He just knew he was supposed to preach. He had quite a large following. In fact, he was a preacher that people would travel long distances by, we get, you know, like, hundreds, probably thousands, to be able to listen to John speak. John had his own disciples, but he was making a way for Jesus. And so we pick up in John chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, and this is a prophetic thing, he goes, behold the Lamb of God. Now you say, what's the Lamb of God? It's a metaphor. It basically means that he was saying, that's the Messiah, that's the one that's going to die for the world's sin. And so here is John having this prophetic moment, right? And he has two of his disciples with him. It says this, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. So you think about this. Here's John with his two disciples. He's like, right there, there's the Messiah. And the two disciples are like, John, we, we really, you know, appreciated your mentorship. We will always look up to you. We're going to go follow him. And they take off and they follow Jesus. And it says this, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, just, you got to remember this, all right? He f found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Let me say it again. Andrew brought him, meaning his brother Peter, to Jesus. Here's another story involving Andrew. It's the feeding of the 5,000. You might have heard about this. 
says there are 5,000 men there that didn't count all the women and children. It's probably closer to 10 to 15,000 people in total. And there's this story where Jesus multiplies the fish and the bread. You've probably heard of it before. Even if it's your first time to church, many people have heard about this story, right? Well, it says Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him, turning to Philip, which is one of his disciples. By this point, Jesus has disciples. He asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus was just testing Philip because he's like, I'm going to multiply the fish and the bread, and everybody's going to get fed. But I'm going to test Philip to see here if he has any faith. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, same guy, right? Now, can I just pause for a moment? I just want to just do a shout out to anybody who's a younger sibling. That, you know, there are many of you in the room right now that for years, your entire upbringing, you were always identified not by your name, but who your older brother or sister was, right? And you're always like, you know what? I feel like Andrew. Everybody's always saying, oh, you're Simon Peter's brother. Well, I just want to say today at City First, we see you. Okay, we see you. But we see Andrew today. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, goes on to say, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? So basically he identifies there's food here. So we know that Andrew was one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, he's one of the first two disciples, and I guarantee you the majority of you have never even heard of him, Right? Because he's not famous. He's not a famous disciple. He lives in the shadows of Peter and James and John and even Judas, right? The one who betrayed Jesus. I mean, we hear about Judas. We don't know who Andrew is, right? So who's this Andrew guy? Well, I'll tell you who Andrew is. He is basically Peter's brother. He introduces Peter to Jesus. He's one of the first original disciples. Andrew is also so impacted by Jesus' ministry that when he runs to get Peter and introduces him, we realize later that Jesus asked Peter to launch what we now call the church. In fact, you're a part of, right now, City First is a part of the capital C church around the world that's been around for like 2,000 years. It was the apostle Peter that started it because Jesus said, upon you, I'm going to build this, ro- this church. Upon this rock, upon you, I'm going to build this church. Well, think about this. Think about it. Peter got the introduction to Jesus through his brother, Andrew. Andrew is also the one who introduced this young boy to Jesus who brought his little sack lunch with him. And then Jesus did the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish, right? I mean, it's pretty amazing. Who's this Andrew guy? Well, he's the guy that decided to use his one and only life, which, by the way, we only get one of these. We don't get a mulligan, okay? This one and only life to leverage influence for another life. In other words, one life to impact one life. See, Andrew is a bringer. Andrew is the person that brought people to Jesus. He's a bridge. In fact, I would say this today, that Andrew was the handshake of God. Remember before COVID when we used to shake hands? <laughs> right? And, and that'll come back again. And some of you are like going, I still shake hands. And, and all. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. What do you do when you introduce somebody, right? 
You, you, you introduce yourself, hi, my name is Jeremy, you hand, put out a hand. Or if I'm introducing somebody, I'm like, hey, you know what, Peter, this is Jesus, and what happens? People shake a hand, right? So Andrew is the handshake of God. Without Andrew, some kid is going to eat their sack lunch by themselves, and thousands of people are going to go hungry. Without Andrew, Simon Peter does not meet Jesus, and Jesus doesn't start the church through him. Peter never has the day that the church launches, which is called the day of Pentecost, where he preaches in front of thousands of people, and the Bible says 3,000 people got saved that day. Without Peter, there's no 3,000 people getting saved, but without Andrew, Peter doesn't meet Jesus. Y'all follow me here? So here's the thing. Andrew, without him being the handshake of God, things are very different for a lot of people. And Andrew's not famous. But the results of Andrew's choice to use his one life to impact one life at a time, those results are famous and well-known. In fact, you know what? People are not introduced to Jesus by mistake. They're introduced to Jesus by a person. You hear that? So Andrew understood the power of using this one and only life to positively influence one life at a time. And he decided really to say, with the table of my life, I'm going to continually invite people to sit in the empty chair. And guess who's on the other side of the table? Jesus. And I'm going to be the handshake of God. Do you know that you and I are the handshake of God? We're to be the handshake of God to people. That's not just for the Andrews. It's for people like us. Our mission should be to introduce people to Jesus and then allow Jesus to change them. Now, this is very important. Listen closely, okay? Because we get this mixed up. We think we have to convince them to change. That's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to introduce people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit changes them. You do not have to convince them to stop their bad behavior. Because think about it with your own life for a minute. Was it really a person that made you change your bad behavior to good behavior? Or was it the Holy Spirit that did it, right? There was a conviction. You felt like, oh, I shouldn't do this anymore. And it wasn't somebody like yelling at you or whatever. Rather, it was the Holy Spirit's work. You see, we don't have to convince people to to quit lying or cheating or being like materialistic or angry or addicted or prideful or any of those things. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to invite people to the table. Jesus' job is to save them. And the Holy Spirit's job is to change them. Do you understand that? So we need to make sure we're inviting people to the table because our decisions will impact eternity, literally the eternity of people and others. And so we need to realize we need to use our one life to be the handshake of God to one life at a time. Now this term, one life, if you've been around City First at all for the last, oh, I don't know, four or five years, we use this term a lot, one life. And here's the reason why I'm talking about that this week. Last week I talked about an empty chair. This week I'm talking about one life. And the reason why is because this is a Vince Lombardi moment, all right? Some of you may hear the, or have heard the story, but it's the, this is a football story. Vince Lombardi was the coach of the Green Bay Packers, and they lost miserably in the previous year's last game of the season, which makes me as a Bears fan feel really warm on the inside. 
But I will say this. They, it was 1961. It was the next year. Uh, Vince Lombardi gathers the team. It's a new season. And you know what he does at camp? He says this. He grabs a football and he says, this is a football. And all the players looked at him and they were like, yeah. And you know what he was doing? He was basically saying, guys, it's the basics. We're going back to the fundamentals here because it's how we win games. We forgot the fundamentals in the last game and the last season we lost. So therefore, we're going to remember the fundamentals so that we can win. And these two weeks, whether it be an empty chair or one life, it's me going, hey, City First, remember, this is the football. This is the football. This is what life is all about. We need to leverage our one and only life to impact another. In fact, I want us to do this. I really want us to this fall be praying and asking God, who is the one life in our sphere of influence, the one life who we are going to believe great things for in God? Like we're going to, it, it might be a neighbor. It might be a coworker. It might be the person who shares the cubicle next to you. Student, it might be the person that sits next to you or the locker next to you. It, whoever it is, it might, be, it might be a barista that, you're, that you know because you get your you know, grande hot Americano from them every single day. Whatever it is, it's the one life. And what you're going to do is believe that this fall, God is going to do a great work in their life. That God's going to move. He's going to bless them. He's going to show them his love. He's going to save them. going to do something in them. You know, change their life. You see, see, this is the thing. I want us to pick this one life just like Andrew did, where Andrew just would pick one person at a time and believe that God is going to do extraordinary things in that person's life. Because who knows, if we really become serious about this, using our one life to leverage our influence, who knows if God won't make an eternal difference in someone else's life. Now I want to take the pressure off of us, all right? Listen, it's not your job to change them. All you are doing is making introductions. You are the handshake of God. Just today when you get up, you know, tomorrow morning when you get up and say, today, God, I just want to be the handshake of God. I want to be the handshake of God. I just want to introduce people to Jesus through my actions, sometimes through my words. You know, I just want to introduce people to Jesus. There's an old saying, and it was actually by St. Francis Assisi who wrote this, and we've kind of changed it a little bit. So this isn't exactly what he said, but it's the heart of what he said, is that is preach always and seldom use words. In other words, your life should be the handshake of God. Does that make sense? And sometimes you use words. And who knows that, that you won't be like Andrew, where we're talking about his handshake in a sense, 2,000 years later. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, I don't have the personality for that. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not outgoing. You know, we're thinking maybe Andrew was like, you know, maybe he's like a salesman type person. It's like, hey, come to Jesus kind of thing, you know? That's, that's not the way I picture him. In fact, everything in history does not paint him that way. In fact, Andrew, I believe, this is me. This is not Bible, but I'm just reading his stories, okay? The stories that he was in. Andrew, I think, was an introvert. He was quiet, but he was an observer. You know, those quiet people are dangerous. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you, you know, you're quiet, but you're watching, right? You're watching. You know what's going on. Well, listen, Andrew, I think, was quiet. He was never the main character in any big Bible story. Like, literally, it was always Peter. It was always John. It was always Judas. It was always somebody else, right? So Andrew kind of fades into the shadows. 
And so I think he's maybe an introvert, but this is the thing. He definitely was not aloof. He was very dialed in to what was going on. And when the disciples are freaking out because they don't know how to feed people, Andrew is probably walking the crowd, looking around, and then he sees this young boy, and he's like, come on, Junior, come with me a minute. See, Andrew is watching. Andrew, like Justin, is reading the circumstances and the environment and trying to figure out how to bring things together so that people's lives get better. Does that make sense? So you know what? He really did care. He was fully, fully, fully engaged. Andrew knew that he could invest in a friendship. He could invite people to an empty chair. And he didn't need to preach like Jesus. And he didn't need to do miracles like Jesus. In fact, you know what? You may not be able to preach like Jesus. And you may not do miracles like Jesus. Few of us can, right? In fact, most of us, none of us can do miracles exactly like Jesus. But we know Jesus does miracles. So what we can do is we can invite people. We can say, come with me. Come with me. I want to introduce you to Jesus. All he had to do was introduce people to Jesus, and Jesus will do the rest. Now, I want to talk to you just very honestly before we close here as, you know, as your pastor. And, and I'm going to point out an elephant in the room because I realize a lot of times people have problems doing this because quite honestly, um, they're thinking, I don't know how to do it. And then secondly, if they meet Jesus, maybe they'll meet his church too. And his church has some strange people in it. You know what I mean? Like, like it reminds me of a story of good friend of mine. He's actually a best friend. And, and um, he told me that uh, years and years and years ago that he was a part of a church and, and um, he was trying to get his neighbor to come to church. He just would every once in a while invite his neighbor to come to church, you know. And the neighbor was always like, ah, no, I'm not really a religious type or I was really a busy individual. And so my friend just every once in a while, not being like overbearing, not being pushy, not arm, you know, arm twisting, but rather just said, hey, listen, would you would you come? Well, one day my friend came into his church. He looked over one section and he saw his neighbor sitting there. So he got up and went over there and he's like, oh my gosh, you came to church, you know? It's pretty amazing. And that day the pastor had invited a guest speaker with a puppet ministry. No joke. Like a curtain, like, hi, I love Jesus. You know that kind of thing? And my friend was like, no, 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 right? And it was a super weird, super bad service. And my friend said that after they left, a few days later, he saw his neighbor in the front yard and walked over and was like, hey, what'd you think of church? You know, and my friend on the inside was going, oh, Jesus, that was the worst weekend for him to come. And the friend goes, uh, it was interesting. The problem is it doesn't have a happy ending to the story. Because of that friend's experience, the friend never came back to church. And that story haunts me. I want you to know that. When my friend told me that story, I think of that story often. Because here's what I know. That even seated in our auditoriums today or watching online today or on that Facebook group today or wherever you are at today, there are people that have invited their friend to come. 
And this is, by the way, if you're, if you're a guest with, with us today, this is what the person that, you invited, or that invited you is thinking. They're thinking, I hope Pastor Jeremy doesn't say anything dumb. That's what they're thinking right now. Literally. They're going, oh God, help Jeremy. <laughs> help not say anything stupid, <laughs> you know? And you know why? Because they love you. And they don't want anything to be a puppet show. Nothing to turn you off from being able to see who Jesus really is. And so I will say this, at City First, I make a promise to you that at all of our locations, wherever we're at, we are not perfect. Sometimes we are gonna say dumb things. Sometimes we're gonna do dumb things, because guess what? We are flawed people, every single one of us, including the one on the mic, okay? So sometimes that's gonna happen. We are not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're never gonna find it, but I'm telling you, we're not perfect, but this is what I promise you. I promise you this. We are going to be very intentional and put a lot of effort into making sure that 52 weeks a year, that if you are an Andrew and you are the handshake of God and you're inviting your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, or whoever to come, that we are gonna do the best we can to make it a welcoming environment so they see who the true Jesus is. Do you hear that? So even next week, and all through September, every weekend in September, we are doing the At The Movie series. It is a perfect, perfect opportunity to be an Andrew and be the handshake of God and invite somebody to come to church. Okay, perfect, seriously. Because here's what I know. I know that people like movies, and so what we do is we take modern day stories, kind of like parables, we take modern day stories and we bring out biblical truths and we point to Jesus every single week. And so like next week, I'm talking about the Black Panther, the movie The Black Panther, and guess what? If you bring your friends and family and neighbors and coworkers, they are gonna enjoy next week because we are working super hard to make sure that we are showing them who the real Jesus is. All we're doing is pointing people to Jesus. So how does this look for us today? Well. As I close, I want to just shotgun real quickly what you do, practically. Number one, pray for your one life. Pick somebody that you say, this fall, God, I want you to move in his life and her life, and I'm going to pray. And do a little sticky tab on your mirror in the morning or whatever. Just put their name so it reminds you. Just say a few prayers. Just, God, I pray. Help, help, you know, uh, Peter. Help Andrew. Help Jeremy. Help whoever. Okay? Second thing you do, show practical love to the person. In other words, be kind, show you care, be nice, listen, like understand their story. In fact, I would say invite them to the table of your life so that you guys can share stories. Because I personally don't think you can't really love somebody until you really understand their story. I, I really believe that. Now you can kind of love them and you can love them you know, to a degree, but when you learn somebody's story, that's when you really begin to love somebody. Number three, share your story. Share your story. And all you got to do is talk about where you were in life before you met Jesus and where you're at now in life after you met Jesus. In other words, what did Jesus do for you? And, and you can just work that in whenever, when it feels right, just work it in. Okay? Number four, when it feels right, then introduce your one life to Jesus. And maybe that is praying a prayer with them, but maybe you might say, I I'm going to introduce them to Jesus by bringing them to church. 
I'm going to invite them to at the movies. I'm going to go to a watch party. I'm going to invite them to my life group. And you know, invite them to come. And I love this story here. It's a really hot off the press kind of story of someone in our church who decided to create an empty space, an empty chair, set out a reserved chair for someone and say, hey, I would love for you to come. I want to hear your story. I want to tell you my story. But most important, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Watch this. My name is Lisa, and I get the privilege of being on the team here at City First Church. And if you know me, you know I love people. And so the pandemic was hard because we didn't get to be around people as much. I remember just being like, oh, I miss inviting people to church. And so once everything was back and open, I was like, you know what? People might not be in person, but they're online. And one of the people I met online was Hannah Day. Hi, my name is Hannah Day, and I am married to my husband, Kevin. I have two kids, Josh and Lily. And we started watching City First live virtually on Sundays as a family. Hannah had been watching with her family, but had never been in person yet. So I just said, hey, when you come, I'll be there and I'd love to see you, sit with you. And so I remember it was Easter Sunday, was their first time coming in person. That just kind of warmed me to know like, wow, these people are real and they truly care about my family and I. And it just felt so good. Like we were just home, even though it was our first time being at church, it felt like we were home. Watching it on TV was great. So many amazing things happened in our living room, watching virtually, but being here um, in person, it was like we could feel it. On Easter Sunday, Lisa asked me if I would come to Original Conference, and I was like, sure, I'll go. And she's like, you know, I'll save you a seat. I always felt like before I never had a seat. I always felt pushed away and shunned, and I've never experienced that before. It's been so amazing being a part of City First Family. I decided to rededicate my life to Christ. I invited my parents to come, and now they are a part of the City First Family, and we come as a collective family. I've also invited my neighbors, and just really wanting to show that love and support and let people know that they are welcome here. Save that seat for them, just like Lisa did for me. isn't it? You, you might say, why? Why is this so important? Because this is the reason why. When you find true hope in Jesus, you can't keep it to yourself. I mean, it'd be like finding the cure to cancer or, or, or find, you know, you're on a sinking ship and you have a lifeboat, but yet not wanting to tell anybody else about it. No way. Here's what I know. I know the hope of Jesus and I want the whole world to know the hope of Jesus. And this is what I do know. 
is that the act of an invitation can change a life. And I want to give you an invitation right now. Um, if you're here and you're like, man, I want to be invited to meet Jesus. I would like for him to come into my life. I want him to forgive me of my sin and begin to help me because maybe life is messy right now. Maybe maybe it feels a little hopeless. Maybe, maybe you've been trying to find happiness in all the wrong things or all the wrong people. Well, maybe today is your day to, in a sense, allow me to be the handshake of God and to say, hey, I want to introduce you to Jesus and allow Jesus to change your life. Today, it's not about joining a church. It's not about membership or anything like that. It's about joining the family of God. There's a God that loves you so much, the Bible says, that he sent his only son who lived a perfect life that he would eventually walk to a cross and he would die punished for your sin and for mine. And then he rose to life again and he can give you a new life. And if that's what you want, I'd love to pray with you. So let's just go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, I want to pray that prayer, I want Jesus to come into my life, or even like Hannah, I want to rededicate my life. Maybe you've drifted. If that's you today, Jesus' love and forgiveness is for you. Just go ahead and raise your hand, and we're going to pray this prayer. Just raise your hand. You say, I want to pray that prayer. Yeah, hands are up. Hands are up. I guarantee you at every location. Go ahead and put your hands down. Let's all say this prayer together so that no one has to say that by themselves. But listen, Jesus knows your voice, and he's listening to you say this. Even though we're saying it corporately, he loves you. So will you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I need you. I declare you as my leader and my Lord. Please forgive me for all my sin. Come into my life and give me a new life. Thank you for dying for me and loving me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for anybody that prayed that prayer, which I guarantee you there were a lot of people.